hello and welcome to another episode of Parenting on Purpose. We are blessed again today to have our famous Brian Van with us, who uh, is going to be talking with us about kind of a hot ticket item in our current society. Um, we're talking about um, trauma. And uh, it feels like that is thrown around a lot recently, um, especially coming out of a pandemic where, you know, it feels like people are saying this is kind of a universal trauma. <laughs> so I feel like even more so um, recently. So I'm going to pass that off to you for just a second while I get my notes together. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm glad. I mean, you used the word famous. Uh, and I really hope that my wife hears you use that word because I cheat, I keep telling her that I'm famous and she keeps (laughs) reminding me that if you have to tell people you're famous, you're not really famous. Yeah. She would probably call you infamous. She would call me some things. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it's interesting in the world of counseling, how er, it seems like every few years there's the, the, the next thing or the new thing, uh, and, and which, which isn't necessarily a bad thing a bad thing. It's, and, and especially with both in counseling and even in residential treatment, the idea of being trauma informed is such a, is such a vital thing. And, and it's one of those things where we realize, well, yeah, there's a reason why people behave the way that they do. Uh, There's a reason why people think the way that they think. Uh, And, and, and when we look at it, and there's a whole history behind how this this thing came about, but the the reality is that that there's a reason why people think uh, and believe and act the way that they do based on on experiences in their past. What this doesn't mean, uh, you know, one of the one of the criticisms that counseling will get is the fact that if if someone is uh, experiencing difficulties. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the cliche that you hear like, oh, well, you, you weren't hugged enough as a baby or, or whatever. So that's why, that's why you do this. And so it's okay. Uh, we understand. Uh, it, the reality is, is that we're always still responsible for the choices that we make today. Yes. It just means that in, in a lot of cases for a lot of people, things that they've experienced in their past, it kind of makes it difficult for them to, to know how to make the right choice. And they, and, and that's where they need people to really get involved in their life to kind of help them learn how to do that. Yeah. And so it, it is a good thing for us to be in this trauma informed season where we're realizing, wow, everything does have an impact. We know that it has an impact on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's, it, it, we, we see it and, and it makes sense. And, and even going forward, uh, which is something that we're probably going to get into here. Uh, it, it really helps us know the best way to interact and help somebody who's experienced some level of trauma in yeah. the past. So why don't we define it? Because I feel like with it being such a hot tip- ticket item right now, Um, you know, we hear it thrown around, oh, that was so traumatic, or, you know, that was a traumatic event, or, you know, I mean, like, we've got TikTok videos trying to explain, you know, it's, it's, so what is a, what would be defined as a true trauma? Well, it, it, sometimes it helps to, to say what it's not, uh, not getting the, not getting the, the green light is, is not traumatic, uh, (laughs) not getting the last Oreo, uh, is, is not, well, 
it's it's kind of traumatic for me, but it's not a trauma. <laughs> the trauma is is what they is is an adverse experience. It's a it's a deep, deeply felt uh, experience that that has a significant impact on the development of let's say a child, uh, and 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 in a lot of cases a young child, uh, it, it, to the point where. It, it will affect the, the way that the brain is developing. You know, one of the things that we know is that the human brain uh, is developing uh, well into our 20s. Uh, depending on which book you read, it could be anywhere from 25 to 28 or 29 that your brain is developing. And we know that uh, somewhere along the way is that wonderful experience of of puberty where any, any, any gains that were made in childhood, uh, are all gone and their the brain <laughs> is starting over. But we, the, uh, when, when a child, uh, experiences a traumatic event and it's something that is, that is life changing, uh, or life impacting, then it, it will affect the way that the brain is is developing and that's why for some people like uh you know we 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 throw the 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 phrase fight or flight Mm -hmm. we kind of know what that means right uh it's it's uh that that basic that bait that moment in which there's something that happens and and you've got to gear be geared up to either run really fast or fight really hard Mm -hmm. and and we've I feel all like they've, they've added the freeze to that now too. Well, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and that's true too, because some people in a, in a crisis moment, they, they literally do freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the deer in the headlight look, uh, yeah. which is what that is. It's freezing. Uh, yes. <laughs> and what's happening is there in, in the, in the body, in the brain, there's a lot of things that are happening at once. And basically you're, uh, your, your, that little sliver in your brain, uh, is called the amygdala. Uh, there's our $10 word for the day. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's job is to help the body be ready for something intense very quickly. And so you're, it's, it's, it's causing the adrenaline to, to flow, which means your heart is, is, is beating because, and you're breathing deeply because you got to get that oxygenated uh, that oxygen in, and then your blood's got to circulate that blood. Uh, your heart's got to circulate that blood really quickly. Uh, and then you're also feeling, some people will feel like that tingling or the tensing, uh, the hair standing up in the back of your Mm -hmm. neck or the, the teary eyed, or some people call it tunnel vision. It's a lot of things are happening very quickly, uh, because your body is physiologically prepared to, to do something. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and for most people, uh, on, uh, on average, it takes about eight minutes for that to burn out. Wow. Um, uh, for that to kind of subside. And that's why some people, when they're in a crisis moment, they might be breathing hard. They might, uh, another curious thing that happens in that is the, the front part of your brain, the frontal cortex, which is where our, our, another $10 word, executive reasoning, executive mm-hmm. functioning, our, our thinking part of the brain, uh, that temporarily shuts down. Uh, and we kind of go more into basic mode. Uh, again, I'm either going to run really fast or fight really hard. Mm-hmm. And that's why when a lot of times when you're talking to someone in a crisis moment, uh, they're not really listening. And yeah. that's because that part of their brain that that is 
geared towards listening and understanding. It's just, it's just kind of been disengaged for a little yeah. bit. Well, and they're not processing the consequences no, of their they're actions. Not. They're not. And, and so, but their radar system is out mm-hmm. again, because they're, and, and, and that, uh, well, we're doing a lot of big words today. Hypervigilant is the word where you're, you're just really in tune to what's going on around you. Uh, any kind of perceived threat, uh, a look from somebody, uh, uh, a voice tone, uh, a gesture, anything. And so, uh, again, usually takes six, seven, eight minutes for that to burn out. Uh, for someone who has experienced trauma, uh, and they'll even, some will go so far as to, to call it like, like complex or compound trauma, which, some, which means basically it's had a, a real serious impact. Uh, their, their, their radar system is out all the time. Hmm. They're hypervigilant all the time. They are in that fight flight or freeze mode all the time. And, and when you come in contact with someone like this, it's like, sometimes we look at them as like, man, he's just super sensitive. Like you can't even say anything to him or, Hmm. or, wow, you got to walk on eggshells around her because the least little thing sets her off. Well, it could very well be that that radar system is just in full blown go mode constant. Now, is this is this something that can happen to an adult or is this something that happens because it's happened in childhood? It kind of rewired the brain. Well, it can happen to an adult. Uh, They uh, definitely. um, I mean, obviously obviously fight or flight happens because, you know. Uh, it, it does. I mean, as the older we get and the more developed our brains are, uh, and by the way, I'm not a brain expert, so hopefully you're not <laughs> quoting me on this, but <laughs> the, the older we get, the, the more developed our brain, the more set our brain becomes. And so the, the less of a, the less of a, a rewiring issue it becomes in the brain. Uh, but people can be, adults can be traumatized. I mean, we, we, one of the things that was thrown around a few years ago, especially as soldiers were coming home is that post-traumatic stress. Uh, and, and that's what that is, is that was trauma that really affected them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and kind of the same, but in, in a, in a different way, uh, for children, when they're talking about like early childhood experiences, it, it, it kind of sets, it kind of sets that, that tone. And then their brain was developing in one direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trauma or the series of traumas occurred and then it, it kind of shifts the development of the brain. And so now it's going in a, in a, maybe a different direction. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to steal your notes that you sent me, which were amazing. It's that what you send to the, the staff here when you guys do training on being trauma informed and you sent them to me, which was very helpful. Um, and you had listed just kind of some examples of childhood trauma as, you know, abuse, um, victim of witness to violent acts, um, an accident or disasters, traumatic loss, which I would assume would be maybe like death of a parent would be a traumatic loss. Okay. Um, trauma associated you have with immigration, which was interesting, Mm -hmm. uh, war terrorism or a medical trauma. So we're really talking about, this isn't bullying at school. This is very, a very large event in a child's life. Right. And, and one of the things also to, to think about, especially for someone who's listening to this, is what this is not about is this is not about 
blame or making anyone feel guilty uh, because there's going to, there could easily be a parent that, that could say, oh my gosh, look what I've done to my child. Uh, either uh, if, if it was a, a, a divorce or a relationship breakup or, uh, and, and it didn't go well, uh, sometimes parents will carry around a lot of guilt for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's not about assigning blame or, or making someone feel guilty so much as it is uh, uh, helping us to see that, that uh, things matter and, and uh, things do have, a, have an effect on children, even to the point where uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask parents, uh, has, your, has, your, has your child uh, experienced things, uh, tra- traumatic things. And, you know, we're, we don't really ask it like that. We don't, has your child ever experienced a trauma? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people have so many different definitions of trauma, but we'll, we'll have, has your child ever experienced things like a uh, divorce or, or arguing at home or even, you know, to a very extreme domestic violence. And sometimes parents will say, uh, well, there was there there was a lot of arguing, uh, a lot of shouting, but oh, he was just a baby in his crib, so he wouldn't remember that. Well, you know, he probably wouldn't remember the event. He probably would not remember the words that were said or things like that. But when a baby is going to be in tune to the emotional atmosphere in the home, mm-hmm. and and plus, so so they're gonna they're, that's gonna have a, an imprint. But also, when you think about it. Uh, parents that are that are in in some serious issues going on relationally or Mm -hmm. economically or just whatever the stress that's going on stress also affects the way that we emotionally connect with another person Mm -hmm. and so they may they may be physically there for their child but emotionally relationally they may not be making that connection and for a baby they do pick up on that Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they'll never be able to say, mom, remember when I was eight months old, remember when I was a year and a half old, but it's just something that's there. Something that's there. Wow. And, that's, and so it's, it, that's, again, that's, it, that's why it's good for us to be doing this kind of study and this kind of research and, and really be having this conversation because it, it helps us understand a child's demeanor, a child's behavior, a child's attitude, especially towards certain people. Mm-hmm. Now is due to our personalities and how we're made and, you know, our genetics or whatever, is it, are there some people that are more susceptible to a trauma? Like would something be a trauma for one person and not be a trauma for another? Oh, I think so. Okay. I think I th- because we're all, we're all unique. We're all individuals. And, and uh, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and there's no two of us alike, fortunately. So yeah, we are going to experience things differently. It could be, I don't know this, uh, but, but it could be a factor of someone's personality or temperament. So, I mean, like maybe one, if, if there's a lot of, you know, like you're saying with there being arguing in a home or, um, you know, financial strain. I feel like there's some kids that are a little, have a little, I mean, we call them empaths, which is so funny. That's another, you know, word that I feel like has been thrown around a lot recently, but you've got a kid that may be a little more sensitive to the emotions of others around him and maybe another child that's not right. So that's interesting. 
Okay. Um, now, as I'm looking through these, this is one of the things that stood out to me where you were talking about kind of the big traumatic. I mean, I feel like, I mean, to me, I think through like the early, <laughs> the early 1900s and the 1940s as we're going through world wars and you're going through the great depression. And I mean, it almost feels like entire societies could have struggled with trauma. I mean, most of, most of the children would have, um, maybe lost siblings or, mm. you know, lost parents early, or, you know, it's just, it's just an interesting thing to me that we're feels like we're just now being aware of it when it's something that generationally we would have dealt with. Yeah. Well, and, and again, when, when you think about it, like, like in that time period, uh, the, the human life expectancy was, was shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We, they did not have the medical advances medical technology or, or, or what they know now. Uh, so disease was, was a little bit more common. And so death was, was a little bit, I mean, there's always been death, but back then it was more, it's just part of life. It was a part of life. Exactly. Uh, and so when something is normal like that, it, we, we knew, our parents back then, they knew to prepare their children for, for things. They knew to prepare them. There was a, uh, I mean, when your pet died, I mean, to understand, remember when, yeah. when, when grandma dies, then, well, remember when your pet died. And, and mm-hmm. so they, they knew enough to prepare them for that. And, and that was also when there were several generations of the family together. Yeah. And so we had that support system. And again, just the the factor of the last 50, 60, 70 years where families have become a little bit more spread out. Mm-hmm. Uh, things have become different in society. Uh, so there's not so much of the, the things aren't as normal or not as every day as they used to be. So, uh, so there's that, but then some of the issues that we're dealing with now, uh, I, yeah, I think we didn't have that then. I mean, we may have had domestic violence back in the, and I'm sure we had domestic violence back yes. in the turn of the, the 20th century. Well, that was that rule of thumb situation Yeah, where they, you could, you were allowed to beat your wife with something that was the size <laughs> of your thumb. So I would say, yes, there was domestic violence. <laughs> well, but it, now because we've tried to educate our families that there are things that you don't do. So when it does happen, uh, then, then it is going to be traumatic, uh, because they're not prepared. They don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just was interesting as I, as, as yeah. I was reading and it just kind of struck me like, huh, now do we, do we think, and I guess we'll just be starting to understand this, but do we think that, that the pandemic will call it, be a trauma point for some people? Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, okay. that's, uh, in, in counseling, um, even even when when the pandemic first broke out and and they were still trying to figure out this 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 thing this virus uh those in the counseling world knew uh well when first of all when when you quarantine families together we know that family counseling is going to be on the uprise uh when you're when you're cooped up together like that yeah, issues come sure. out uh but the 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 depression uh, because we are, we are, you know, we, we like to be active and, and we like to be productive. And when we are locked away and not able to feel as active or productive, yeah, that depression is going to kick in the anxiety. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, is, 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 is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those things are going to be around a little while uh, until things start to calm down. Uh, I, we're, we're not supposed to say things like the new normal uh, because that's already become a cliche. But the reality is, is that from the post pandemic, we're, we're, we're going to be developing a new normal mm-hmm. and we are going to look back on this time. And that is going to be one of those, those, those traumatic moments, those traumatic events uh, that affects a lot of people, people who, who had the, the sickness, people who had family members have it, people who lost family members yeah. because of it, people whose jobs, livelihood, uh, socioeconomic, all of that, that was affected. Uh, yeah, it, it, we're going to look back on this and, and this will be one of those things that for, for a few years, uh, probably more, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be dealing with the effects of it. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because, um, last time, uh, Juliana and I recorded, we talked about just kind of social anxiety. And, um, one of the things we had said was, you know, we're just, we're starting to see even in small children, the milestones are being moved back Mm -hmm. just because they're not hitting their milestones because of, you know, facial coverings or, and so that that's just interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, as time marches on, you know, how it does impact the, the children that were, you know, infants or, you know, toddlers because of yeah. people's faces being covered even. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just very interesting. So, okay. We've talked about kind of what a trauma is, is there, you, we lightly hit on um, maybe some behaviors that will come. What does that look like? You know, say I'm, you know, dealing with my child and, you know, what, what is that? What, what are things I should be just aware of in, in observing my child who may, may have suffered a trauma? Uh, well, again, it's probably going to be a wide spectrum. you you, you may see things like irritability. Uh, you may see, uh, which children are going to be irritable all the time. Anyway, yes. <laughs> you don't, you don't feed them enough. They don't sleep enough or, or whatever. They're, they're uh-huh. just going to be the, the children going to be children who have irritable parents are going to be irritable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you see that irritability and it just doesn't fit, mm. you know, when again, uh, and, and this is you moms get this for sure, but you know, when you're, when your child is just tired, they're yeah. cranky and oh no, nah, he's just, he's just, he's just tired Yeah. or he's not sleeping well, or he's hungry or what. I mean, to me, grumpy looks grumpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a crying baby is just crying baby, but <laughs> it, you, you know that, uh, but when, when that irritability doesn't fit, when, when they, when they overreact to something that really doesn't require that much of a reaction, uh, when, when, when there are some things that seem to set them off and other things don't, and you're like trying to, and you're trying to figure out like where's the pattern here? What, Mm -hmm. uh, when, when as a parent, when you have that, that intuitive sense that, okay, this just doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a good chance that, okay, we, there may be something that that's there, uh, trauma wise. Um, when, when you see, uh, a sudden or abrupt change in attitude or behavior, depending on, uh, on circumstances, uh, things were going great. And then a certain person walks into the room and then all of a sudden it's, it's a, a complete 180. Okay. That's, that's yeah. a, that's a signal. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not necessarily be that person, 
but it could be. Uh, I, I read a story one time of, of a child that was kind of like that, just kind of happy-go-lucky and everything. But then mom, mom had a friend, and every time the friend would come over, he was wearing a black leather jacket. And what they, uh, through, through many sessions of counseling, uh, the, the child remembered an earlier friend of mom that was abusive and all he could remember was black leather jacket. And oh, so wow. somewhere that stuck in the, in his mind. Yeah. And that was, that was one of those triggering things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you, when we see those abrupt shifts, those abrupt changes, when, when the, the reaction doesn't really fit the situation or, or, or the, the, the level of reaction doesn't fit, uh, uh, then yeah, we 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 can look to see if there's a possibility of a of a past traumatic experience. Now, is that when you start observing that it feels like you know if there has been a true trauma, it definitely would appear that this would be the time to then go seek counseling. This this seems like it would be you know kind of like if you've got a child with a broken arm, you're not going to try to deal with that yourself. Um, right. You're going to take them to the doctor. And I feel like if you're seeing major warning signs, like that level of an overreaction to, you know, an object or, you know, somebody walks in, like maybe mm-hmm. that would be time to have a community, you know, talk to your child, but then reach out for yeah. additional help. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's, and, and again, in the, in the counseling world, that's during one of the first session or two sessions that's what you're you're going through you're kind of assessing to see was there any kind of trauma uh and uh the, everyone's going to have a different way of doing it you don't just kind of sit down and go down this this bulleted list of did you do this did this happen yeah. did this happen I mean, it, because one of the other things we don't want to do is we don't want to aggravate the trauma or re-traumatize right. a child by by taking them back to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Uh, but it is one of the things that you want to, you do want to assess for, uh, because that's going to help, you know, how, how to relate with the person, how to relate with the child. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And you have a, you have, um, again, I'm going back to your amazing notes, but you have, uh, you know, reacting to, you know, the external, you know, having a trigger and reacting to it and overreacting, but you also have, um, disassociating. Can you talk us through what that means? Because I feel like that's another really good thing to watch for. Well, disassociating. I didn't realize there's going to be a pop quiz, by the way. Oh, you know, uh, hey, yeah. Just keeping you on your toes. Um, it's kind of like that. That's taking us to the other direction mm-hmm. where the times where you would think, okay, this would normally upset people. Uh, and there's like a disconnect. It's like, oh, what almost like, you know, there, there's nothing. Um, and so that, that can also be to the other direction as well. Um, and again, it's when it doesn't fit, uh, when, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of an example, but I'm, I'm going blank. So we're going to well, edit this out probably. Nah, we'll leave this in. So, <laughs> so when I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. So would it be like, there's, um, uh, you know, like you're talking sternly to a, a child and they just kind of give you a blank expression or they start, you know, where, where they would normally have an emotional response. They kind of flatline. Would that yeah. be an example of dis- okay, disassociation? Yeah. yeah. And, and even some of the times where, I mean, yeah, there may, they, there may be like the, the apparent lack of emotion. Now that's on the outside. We have no idea what's going on on the inside. Um, 
sometimes the emotion that they show, they may show something, but it doesn't fit. I mean, again, like you're talking, you're talking sternly to a child uh, and they start laughing and you think this is usually the time when the tears are supposed to come uh, Mm -hmm. because they, 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 in this particular child, they just may not be able to regulate those emotions. Like, like Mm -hmm. something's supposed to come out, but it's just not the right thing. Mm-hmm. One of the other things for us, and, and this, this may not fit right under that dissociation thing, but sometimes what looks like a certain emotion on the outside is not really what's going on on the inside. Uh, remember, as, as children and, and even early teens, they're, they're developing. And, and, and so, uh, and I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, but like when, when children are really young, the, the fat crayons, um, it's the, they have the fat crayons because they don't have that, that manual dexterity to be able to control the fine motor skills, but also developmentally, their eyes can't distinguish between different shades of the same color. So it's mm-hmm. the basic colors yes. as they get a little older, the crayons get skinnier. And as they get a little older, there's, there's two shades of red and then mm-hmm. three or then four, the, cra- the boxes of crayons get bigger and more expensive. Uh, <laughs> but that's because developmentally they're able to, to make those fine distinctions. Their emotions are developing the same way when they're young. Uh, they're using the basic stuff, happy, sad, mad. And, and so uh, what, what may look like anger uh, an anger outburst may not be driven by anger that there may be some sadness behind that, but because I'm a child and because I've, I've, I've experienced this trauma, I don't know how to do the anger thing or vice versa. I don't know how to Mm -hmm. do the sad thing. So it's just going to come out looking like anger. Yeah. So that's as parents, that's something for us to keep in mind as well is, is not always just take it on face value. We really need to become a student of our children to learn them. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's great. And I feel like being a student of your, of your child, um, just helps in all areas, really. I mean, it helps us to know, okay, something's going on or also, you know, what they like or what they don't like, or, you know, I mean, it's just, that's just such good advice anyway, on a normal, on a, you know, just normal day. So what about us as, um, as parents? So what if we have, you know, we're listening to this and we're realizing, oh my gosh, this may be me you know, as a parent, I may have, you know, suffered through a trauma in my childhood. Um, what are, what would be some advice to parents? Um, not only, you know, are they maybe dealing with a child who's been through a trauma, but like the parent themselves has been through a trauma. Well, uh, one of the things that was said already is, is talk to somebody, uh, get some help. Uh, and that can be that, that could, I mean, that could be your church, your pastor, Uh, but I would really, if it's, if, if there's a history, if you're realizing that, yeah, I've been through some trauma, uh, I would, I would talk to a counselor, especially someone that, that has some experience in being able to help somebody walk through this. Uh, it's, it, uh, and it's okay. It's okay. The fact is, is that it's, it's almost impossible to get through life without, uh, experiencing some form of trauma. Um, can I, can I go back to something real quick? Yes, it's, always. It, uh, because it, it's one of those brilliant things that, that at least 
now it hit me before we've turned the thing off. Um, <laughs> but one of the things also that, that we see in children and in their, their emotions is, is when, when, uh, depending on how old the child was, when that, that significant trauma happened, uh, as they they may keep growing up physically, they're going to get taller, they're going to get older, uh, emotionally, a lot of times they may stay stuck at that age. And that's why you may see a five-year-old temper tantrum out of a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's another one of those things when you were asking about like, what would be something that would look like, you know, it doesn't fit. Uh, and a lot of times it's because there's just, there, there's a, that's, a, there's a sticking point for them emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have, a, you don't expect a 14 year old to, to have a complete meltdown because you didn't buy them those Oreos or right. whatever. Uh, but when you have that full on young child temper tantrum, again, that's a big, that's a signal that, okay, what is going on here? Cause it doesn't fit. Um, uh, now children are pretty savvy and they know how to use temper tantrums to get what they want. Especially if you allow them to work. <laughs> exactly. When, when they've been taught that, that this is an effective way to get what you want, because I know you're not going to do the temper tantrum privately. You're going to do it out in public where it's going to mm-hmm. be the most inconvenient or the most, uh, the most, embarrassing but that's a whole nother conversation yes it is (laughs) but it 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 emotionally as as parents because sometimes it gets very frustrating i mean as Mm -hmm. as a parent uh here we go again Mm -hmm. uh but this is why as a parent a lot of times yelling isn't going to be the best way to to get your point across or lecturing isn't going to get their point across or or even even making those comparisons or even, even shaming, you know, sometimes parents have a, have a, and they don't do this on purpose. I don't think not all the time. Uh, but the, you know, you, you have, uh, the parent and their, and their child and they see another friend out in public and, and, Oh, let me tell you what he's been up to. So they're airing the dirty laundry. Yeah, and so again, yeah. it's, it's, it's re-traumatizing the child. So of course he's going to be a little, a little upset, uh, and so the way that we react to our children is going to be huge mm-hmm. to help them through this. And that actually made a light bulb go off in, in my head as you were talking about that. But so when you have a child that is, is triggered, um, you have a child, like say, you, you know, that you, you know, you've been to counseling and you know, you know, Hey, my child has had a trauma. I do know maybe some of his triggers or at least what to look for. Um, what, what are things that I can do as a parent to help my child through this versus maybe making it worse? What are some things that I can do? Yeah, well, we, we just went through the, the short list of what not to do. Obviously don't yell at him. Don't threaten him. Don't, don't do things like that, but it's helping him, helping him be able to calm down. You know, again, remember if, if he's in that full blown tra- tra- traumatized crisis mode, part of the brain is shut down. Yeah. And so fight or flight, not, fight or flight. <laughs> he's not going to listen to the brilliant things that you're going to be saying, uh, as I mean, you should be writing a book, but he's just not going to get it. So it's helping him be able to do the basics to be able to calm down, helping him be able to breathe. Breathing is such a huge thing, uh, to be able to give him something concrete to focus on, uh, whether it's you. Now, if you're talking to him, you want to get on eyeball level, don't be standing over him because again, 
that's threatening mm-hmm. and their and their radar is out anyway so you want to get down on his level uh you don't want to be square right in front of him you want to be off to the side to kind of i just turned to the side in front of the microphone um <laughs> you you want to uh and uh, kind of in the back of his brain he has an out he's got an, an escape, escape. yeah um but you and and so you want to as you're talking to him you even want to start talking more rhythmically because you're going to help his brain get grounded and then help him focus on his breathing and even you know kind of breathe in breathe out mm-hmm. and if he's able to kind of kind of get him to breathe in and and how high can you count while you're breathing in can you breathe out to the same number and let's mm-hmm. do that again that was great you always want to be encouraging mm-hmm. uh even though he may have just broken the window or or who knows what right th- there's a time to deal with behavior this is not the time right the time is to help him get through the crisis and so it's okay to be encouraging as a parent, as an adult, we have to be able to put that aside for the sake of what, what my child needs right now. And my child needs me. Mm-hmm. And so I need to be a part, I need to, I need to help him through this. And so I'm on his level. I'm helping him breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm giving him something to focus on. I'm encouraging him. I'm giving him space, but, uh, and, and you'll see, you'll see the calming down start to happen. And then you'll see, you'll see little things where then he may start making eye contact. Uh, he might've been trying to make eye contact before, but the lights are on, but nobody was home, but now he's making eye contact. Now he actually might be responding to you, not giving full on essay answers to your questions, but you know, just, he might be responding to you. This is a good time uh, to keep encouraging him or her uh, to, to, uh, depending on your relationship, uh, uh, this is a great time for a parent to, to kind of be, you know, kind of, kind of tapping him, or at least just take his hand. If he doesn't want that and he pulls away, respect it. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's, he's in the process of calming down. And so you want to help him calm down to the point where he's, he's able to be okay. He's probably, you know, sometimes you get like that wet rag and let's, let's mm-hmm. wash your face or go, why don't you go into the bathroom and wash your face and come back out? Cause that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is sh- this, is this something, sorry to interrupt you. Is no. this something that, you know, as you, you, uh, as you kind of observe what works maybe with your child, is mm-hmm. this something that you then sit down and kind of talk through or you prepare them for the next time? Or is this something that you make notes yourself or oh, both? Okay. Both, uh, because because as a parent, we want to we 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 want to have our tools ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, as we become a student of our children, we we kind of know there are some that like if you have two children uh, or more, one of them is going to respond to one thing, another one is not going to do the breathing thing. And so you gotta you gotta find out what else they will respond to. Mm-hmm. It's after all of this when things are good and right. and and and. Uh, it's okay to do have a conversation when you when when things are good and you like each other again to mm-hmm. be able to remember what happened earlier this morning. Can we talk about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you know I'm 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 not mad at you. You know you want to reassure them, uh, but to to then ask them what was that like for you? What was going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, the more they can talk about it which they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to use words right. uh, very much. So we want to coach them in that. 
what was that like for you? What do you think you were feeling? I was feeling bad. Okay. Well, bad. What, what were you happy? Were you sad? What do you, what do you think was happening there? Uh, because the more we can get them used to using their words, uh, then we can start coaching them in the process of when the next time something like this happens, you can tell somebody uh, when next time you, how did you, what were you feeling just before this happened? Uh, well, I just, I remember, I just, I just remember I was, I just felt really hot or I remember that uh, I just, I just suddenly it just kind of hit me or I was, I was getting angry. I was getting antsy. Okay. So the next, that's probably going to happen again. So the next time that happens, what do you think we can do? You know, is there a place that you can go to? Can, is there a, a, a corner in your room or is there a special chair that you can sit in or, or, or what could you do to help yourself calm down? Cause I may not be here next time to help you mm-hmm. calm down and you're helping them strategize. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's going to be something that, that, that may take them you know, throughout their life, mm-hmm. uh, where, where we all have things that we do that calm mm-hmm. us down. Yeah. My, um, one of my two boys, um, has learned this about himself that when he starts reacting emotionally, he, he knows now to, um, remove himself from the situation and he'll just say, um, mom, can I go outside for a minute or can I go sit in my room? And he knows he just needs, if he can have five minutes, just Hmm. quiet, it helps him to regulate his emotions. And, um, my other one doesn't need to do that. (laughs) So it's just, it's, it is, it's just very interesting as they learn tools, even that work for them at a younger age, they will use them because they don't want to feel this way, you know? And so, so it's, it was, it's been very helpful for him. You know, in this in this in this time of being trauma informed, one of the other words that has come about as well is is the idea of resilience and the fact that children are are typically very resilient and and they their their nature is to grow, their nature is to develop, their nature is to get through things. And so if a child has experienced trauma in the past, what what we also know is that that's not the end of the world. Uh, it's it's it doesn't have to be a terrible thing, uh, especially as as uh, as we are helping them understand what God says about it. I mean, we think about what well, your dad will love this, but what Joseph said to his brothers: "What you meant for evil, God used for good." So mm-hmm. the fact is not that God would ever purposely traumatize somebody, but at the same time, God can use it. God can turn you know bad things into good things. Mm-hmm. And and it's in the moment when we're asking that difficult question: Why did this happen to me? Why me? Uh, the reality is, is why not me? Mm-hmm. Uh, but all right, God, this has happened. So how can you use this? Mm-hmm. And to help our children be able to see that, you know what, even if, even if your parents were divorced, even if, uh, you lost a, you lost a, a close person to, to a sickness or an illness, uh, wow, God could still use that. Mm-hmm. And so to help them see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, to help them see that there is hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, for, for parents, we have to remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why for parents, for those that are in, in the helping profession, counseling, residential, teachers, pastors, uh, the idea of self-care is so important. We have mm-hmm. to take time for us. We have mm-hmm. to have a release. We have to, we have to have, be able to step away and do something. And, and especially if you're working with people, it's good to have something that you're doing where, where you at least feel like you've actually accomplished something. Mm 
Mm-hmm. For me, it's yard work. I mean, yeah. I'm weird, but I love me, mowing the yard. It was dishes. If I can have my my sink clean, it's like I can check that off my list. I know that it's yes. going to be full again tomorrow, but yep. it, it's just it's a, yeah. I, and I love painting. Like I I actually love to paint. You know, my room like a, a room in my house because I can see it finished. <laughs> it's a project that is done. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Those are helpful and, for me. Yeah. And, and, and I got to imagine that something like that's got to be good for a parent too, you know, mm-hmm. because you're, you're helping a child and, and uh, you're helping a child grow. Uh, so you've got them for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not going to see the growth day by day. It's going to be easy to feel like, are we ever going to get through this? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? It's easy to get discouraged as a parent when you're when you're dealing with with a child with trauma. Uh, so it's good for parents to have, to have a plan for themselves. What can I do? Whether it's and it doesn't have to cost money, uh, mm-hmm. but what can I do? Yeah, uh, like just like it's important to know your triggers are your children's triggers. It's also important yep. to know what self care looks like for you exactly. um, as a parent. Yes. Yeah. So, um, well, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining us again today. I feel like this was such a good and important topic. And in fact, I mean, I almost feel like we could almost do an entire another episode and delve into it more really. Cause there's just so much when you start looking at society, but then also, I mean, we, I didn't even touch on like adoptive parents or mm. foster parents or, you know, like what we talked about, even with step parenting and blended families and, you know, like they're just, this kind of reaches into so many different avenues. I feel like. So we may have to come back and hit this from another angle almost. So yeah, it, it does. It, it affects so much in life because it's when you're talking about trauma, you're talking about the ability to do relationship mm-hmm. and we're relational creatures. We're, it's all about relationships. And so when something is, is impacting something so basic, yeah it's, it's worthy of, of several different conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you um, giving us your time and, um, and for our listeners, we thank you uh, for joining us today as well. And for, and for um, just tuning in to uh, hear our podcast parenting on purpose. So um, we will be joining you sometime soon. Check us out on parentingonpurpose.org.